Welcome to the I'm Spiritual <laughs> podcast. My name is Matt Stewart. I'm a transformational coach, and it is my mission to bring purpose to the purposeless. This podcast is for gaining insights into the deeper layers of our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies to unlock our inner potential and allow for healing. Let's deep dive down the rabbit hole of self-development and spirituality to get a no-bullshit look at what works and what doesn't work. Today, I am super excited to have the wonderful, the illustrious Blaze Rumbaugh. Is that how you pronounce the last name? I'm terrible with names. No, that's it. That's my Perfect. Name. Perfect. Thank you for being here, Blaze. Blaze and I connected in the Dharma Coaching Institute. We're going to talk a little bit about that as I introduce her. But she is a powerful coach and a wonderful human being. And she's uplifting. She's heart-centered individual here to connect with all, not just one, not just two, but all. She's a certified spiritual life coach, just like me, not to steal your thunder. Through her mental health challenges, she's healed her relationship with herself to find magic in the mundane. Blaze is the creator of an embodiment dance series based on the chakras. They teach people how to be comfortable with their own skin while tapping into their inner knowing. To find purpose through healing, she helps people discover peace within their emotions. Our bodies are our homes, and that is Blaze O's Dharma. Connect people to their body and their heart. Whew, how does it feel to have all that after your intro? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a beautiful introduction. Thank you for welcoming me on here, and I'm happy to be here with you. So we'll dive right into it. It's my favorite question. What is something people often misunderstand about you? Mm, I think the first thing that comes to mind is my emotions. I tend to be a very emotional person, and sometimes it's very well-received, but I think it's something that's confusing for people because there's been times where I haven't been, I haven't known my own self and my own emotions or really why certain things have arose. So putting that energy out there, I think it can confuse people as someone who is pretty highly sensitive. Mm. As you said that, I got the image of like of water flowing you know, because mm -hmm. a lot of times like the the feminine energy is often described as water and the masculine is more of like a, an oak tree or a big oak tree deeply rooted in there. And for a lot of us that the emotion, especially for men, it can be confusing to receive that feminine energy because it can come across as men can perceive it easily as almost like scattered because we don't see the logic and the reasons behind it. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that, that insight that is helpful to hear. And I think that can be that moment. And I think even not even knowing how to perceive myself and how I'm out there being received by other people created confusion at a young age. But now I'm being in the position where I am now, just showing up authentically and not denying those emotions to be expressed. Mm. Wow. Wow. How do you want to be received? Openly with love and just accepted for those emotions and even not if accepted just being okay within my own being of just continuing to to be to be present and not needing that validation but for those that are willing to give it being present for that hmm. you're like a little angel sent here on earth <laughs> <laughs> with what you bring out of people and what you allow yourself to to bring out of yourself to the other people that's really special and that's really it's really wonderful i like that ring you're wearing what is that it's stone this is a moonstone they're both oh. moonstones okay what what is the qualities of moonstone 
to tell you the truth, that's one I actually don't know a lot about. I do know a decent amount about crystals, but I felt really called to just one I found on the ground and one I bought. And it just, when I saw them, it was, it was, that's the one, that's the one I want. I get that with crystal shop and it's, I, I bought a few crystals and it's always, I get pulled into the stores. It's the only way to describe it. If I go in looking, I never find them. But if I just follow myself, I find the best ones. Yeah, it finds you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what does the term hero's journey mean to you? Mm. Yeah, that term is so powerful in so many ways because I think it it shows us owning our journey, owning our story, and not coming from this victim mindset of these things happen to me instead of these things happen for me. So to me, I think it means, I feel it means being, being connected to your story and knowing that each part of it led you to this moment where you are here now. And something I used to tell myself a while back when being in the middle, being in the thick of that hero's journey is everything happens for a reason. I wasn't spiritual in that moment, but that was something that, that kept me grounded and kept me moving that everything happens for a reason and we're here to keep moving. And I don't know what that is, but that was something that stuck through with me. Being here for a reason, things happening for a reason, because a lot of times in the spiritual community, it's saying everything happens for a reason can really trigger people when they're not as healed along the path. You know, when you have a lot of unhealed trauma and somebody says it happened for a reason, that sends you right down a spiral. Like, oh, so I had, that had to happen to me. Mm-hmm. So it's empowering for you to describe it that way and to to really connect those dots. And I love what you said about the stories. One of my favorite things that I've ever heard is there's two types of stories. One story that uses us up, and that's that victim story. As we tell it, we tell it from that disempowering position to where people can tell and they can sense that that story is still plaguing us. It's still draining our energy, still poisoning us. And those stories, the second kind is the story that we use. We convey that story in a powerful, positive way. That is that hero's journey. <laughs> I completely agree. So now let's get vulnerable. What was your life like before you started on your own hero's journey? Oh, man, that's that's a powerful question. I definitely was not who I am today, and that's what made me who I am today. I was a miserable, suicidal, young, I was a teenager, young adult those years I was someone that was caught in those stories, caught in the in the everyday. And I really did feel that everything was happening to me. Nothing felt for me. It didn't feel like a blessing. It felt like a curse. And then to be having such heavy emotions and processing things and not knowing how to regulate, not knowing how to be in my own body, be centered, be grounded, and just continue to be. It was extremely difficult to be present. So my ultimate goal was to not be present. So who I was before that hero's journey that was someone that was addicted to basically anything that would take me out of my body, whether that was substance or food or cigarettes or people or experiences. I was someone that wanted to be numb to the human experience because I didn't feel like I could handle it the amount of feeling that was coming through my body. It was too much for me. So I was someone that didn't want to be here. (sighs) Take a breath. Just 
stay with that for a minute. That was that was powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being vulnerable. It can be very challenging, or it's as challenging as we make it to be that open and vulnerable in a space that's going to go out to a lot of people. But that's part of that hero's journey is also using your story to allow to heal others. Say, I've been there. I've walked through that path. Yeah, most definitely. How did having a victim mindset really hold you back? What, what were those stories that you told yourself? Having a victim mindset held me back in every way. I, when you think everything's happening to you, when you think it's everyone else's fault but your own, there is no... The way I see being an adult, a true adult, is taking ownership of your behavior. Whether you're 18 or 65, just being able to own the way you are impacting other people, impacting yourself, your community at large on the macro and micro level. So being in that victim mindset, regardless of your age, is not taking ownership for yourself. And that can even be in the deepest of traumas and being in that moment. And not to say to not let yourself feel what you are going through. But once you're, you're past that point of experiencing it, not letting yourself get stuck in it. So being that victim, the stories I told myself were that I wasn't capable. I wasn't smart enough to do the things that I wanted to do. I didn't allow myself to try new things because I was afraid of what would happen if I fail? What would people think of me? What would I think of me if I had failed myself? So I put myself in a box and I kept myself really, really small. But there was also a lot of extremes. I was a very aggressive, very out there, very loud person. But on another level, I was very shy, very quiet, very timid and afraid to be the fullest expression of who I was. So in a lot of ways, I, I stayed in that box, but I would find myself breaking free. But it wasn't who I was at my core. It was my angry inner child not being expressed being stuck in that, in that small space. So I was someone that I didn't believe I could do anything. And I radiated confidence to so many people and had no problem sharing with other people how they could get to where they wanted to be and telling them that they were capable of anything. But when it came to myself, I, I didn't believe in myself. And that was extremely limiting. And it's almost like too, that authentic self couldn't really shine because it sounds like you almost saw yourself as a bit of a fraud. You were able to give all this great advice, but you weren't able to receive that. I was definitely not practicing what I was preaching. I was coaching from a very young age without realizing it and not embodying the part of myself that I am today. Well, it speaks to the power of yourself. Even in that unhealed state of not taking your own medicine, you were still able to guide people and still able to receive them. Mm, yeah. That was definitely something that kept me going, but also another limitation in a way where I placed a lot of my worth on other people's success from me of just how I could help impact them. And if they weren't doing well, if they weren't moving through things and they were still unhealed, then I took that as my own failure, which is something that can be very draining and unhelpful rather than just being a support for someone. That's that, that healer's curse. Yes. <laughs> you know, we all experience it. We, we take it when we first get into this work, we take everything on ourselves and we, 
we bury it. We bury ourselves in other people because it's much easier to heal others and then take on their struggles because it's not our own. It's still that avoidance factor. It's a much healthier way because you're not doing drugs, you're not harming yourself, but you're still neglecting that self. Yeah, most definitely. And then talking about that earlier of just using people as a distraction, it's one of those it's one of those coping mechanisms that isn't seen as unhealthy to bury yourself in other people, just like food. Food isn't seen as unhealthy. It's not a drug. It's not, it's not as bad as alcohol. It's not as bad as, as doing drugs. It's not as bad as cigarettes, but pouring yourself into other people and using it as an excuse to not take care of yourself is just as damaging as doing drugs. It's just a longer exposure to this kind of feeling, this kind of drug, this kind of disconnection and disempowerment rather than being a support and being able to put that energy that you're putting towards everyone else and put it towards yourself. Because then you're trying to heal someone from a place of being unhealed. Not that we can't help other people from being unhealed, but we aren't really giving from a true place of giving if we're not clear on what our intentions are and who we're actually doing it for. There are healthy and unhealthy coping strategies, you know, like you said, with drugs and alcohol and society loves several things. Like you eat food, nobody really gives a shit. You know, mm -hmm. you help people without taking care of yourself. Nobody cares. Coffee is another big one. That is the most overutilized, just stimulant that people don't even realize that they're doing themselves because I would drink so much of it where I would just, I couldn't be centered. I couldn't, I would just be shaking. I would have like mock panic attacks and anxiety all the time and I couldn't get centered and I couldn't help anyone. But externally people are like, Oh, you're just drinking a ton of coffee. That's fine. It's like you're productive. You just want to get a lot of work done. It's like, no, this is just a legal vice that I'm doing that you don't really care about. Cause even after I got sober, that was 10 years ago. I knew then once I got sober, I was like, yeah, well, coffee's the only vice I have left. And it's like, even then, when I was still so, hadn't done the inner work, hadn't connected to myself, I still had the clarity to know that I was abusing it. Most definitely. It's just whether it's impacting other people, whether it's becoming a burden on society and how it affects other people. And if it's not, if you're staying within your own bubble, then it's not a problem until it starts bumping into other people's bubbles. So it's interesting what we deem as right and wrong and okay and not okay. I like how you said the the bubble. It's a great way of describing the aura too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Energy field is a bubble. So I think a lot of people can understand that that bubble concept. Yeah. And the way the how you are presenting yourself and how you are putting that out there, whether someone's spiritual or not, they can feel that even if someone's completely disconnected from their emotions, they may choose not to. They may shut down the signals that they are getting and dismiss it for something else, but we feel other people's energy impacting us. And I think just in the beginning where I was referring, referring to those emotions, people could feel my bubble and I didn't understand what was going inside me, going on inside myself, those emotions. So people being confused on what is this person? What is what are they putting out there? They're smiling. They're, they're, they're acting as if they're happy, but they're completely miserable. They're, 
I don't know how to perceive them. And when we, when we don't know as humans, we need that story. We need that, that thing to go behind so we can understand what, what someone really is, what, what's going on, whether it's true or not. It just makes us feel comfortable to have that story there so we can better understand. It helps us relate. It helps us feel safe. At least I've noticed in my experience. A lot of people, they, they don't want to go that depth. Because you said that person who projects themselves as positive, energetic, composed, and then they start to see underneath that just a little bit. They get a little taste of that, that chaos that's going on at the inner person, and they just pull back immediately. And they want nothing to do with it because it's too real. It's too raw. And it also, what it really does is it shows them a mirror for their own life and their own inner world. Because if that person who looks so composed, I'm looking at them and we are everyone else pushed out in a sense, it's that same exact thing coming right back at you. Because you know underneath all that that fake happiness that you're exuding, somebody who's very disconnected and miserable. That's one of the things that's interesting about growing up in the Northeast, like you know, growing up outside of Boston, it's almost like people are the reverse of that. Like people won't people aren't really that nice. You walk down the street, I say hi to everyone. People look at me like I'm strange. <laughs> yeah. You know? hold the door open for people to like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Why are you being nice? But people just, they don't almost have that, that fakeness of where they want to like connect with you. It's just outwardly, they're just cold and bitter. So it's almost like they don't bother with that. They only show that, that nice side of it. Like it's like a flip where that calm composed side in the Northeast is like, you got to be a member of my family to see that. Cause I'm going to show you the angry chaotic side <laughs> all the time. <laughs> And that is why I cannot wait to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Come over to the West Coast. We'll, we'll treat you some with some love. Ah, I'm definitely heading westward bound. Westward expansion. <laughs> yes, definitely. So what was the catalyst for this hero's journey you embarked on? Was there an event, health scare, spiritual awakening, trauma? Or did you get lucky and was it an epiphany? All of the above except the epiphany <laughs> part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yes, in many different ways, there was that that moment, that that realization. But a story that becomes the most clear to me on how I really had that moment of moving from that victim mindset of entering this hero's journey of taking responsibility for myself. I remember, and it's funny because it wasn't in the chaos. It wasn't in the moments of being if I'm speaking vulnerable here as being in those suicide attempts, I had attempted suicide three times prior to this visit of being in a behavioral health facility. And I remember I went in on a voluntary 5150, which I had done before, which for those that aren't familiar, it's a 72 hour hold where you admit yourself saying that I can no longer care for myself. So I need help basically. And I remember I went into this facility for help and people in my life were pretty done. They had given me a lot of support, a lot of love, and they were they were at their their ends meet. They couldn't really give any more. So getting to this point of not having that many people who wanted to support me anymore and be along this journey, I remember actually getting off the phone with my mom, who was a major support for me the entire time, even though she was getting near the end, she was doing it to protect herself. And she told me that I was repeating the same pattern over and over again. 
of seeking the help, of looking for the help and then getting the help and not wanting anything to do with it. And just wanting to be out to feeling like I was in my own jail and I just wanted distraction again because the moment I had to face what was so real, it was so deeply uncomfortable to be in my body and be that mirror you were talking about, whether it was physical or just in a moment of having to sit with myself with no distractions, no drugs, no food, no people, no, no nothing. And I was really angry when I got off the phone with her. I was in that full body emotion where I could feel just hot red in my body. And I laid down in my bed and I just felt so angry. And I'm like, what is going on? What do I do? I hate this. I want to get out of here. And I started journaling and I just started writing down everything I was thinking because I just didn't want to be in my head anymore. And I came to this point where I realized, like my mother had said, I was repeating the same pattern over and over again, that for almost three years, I had been going through this journey and seeking help and trying to remove myself from existence because I no longer wanted to be there. I no longer wanted to be present, but I kept living. I kept showing up. I kept after some really serious attempts where I should not be here. I am here. And even back then, not being on that spiritual journey, I knew I am here for a reason. I am meant to do something because I keep living. And I realized that no one was going to take, no one was going to do the work for me. That was that moment where it just changed. That no family member, no friend, no nurse, no no therapist, no psychiatrist, not even a pill was going to change the game for me. And I realized I, I realized I had three options. The first one being, I could do it all over again. I could attempt, I could try and remove myself. The second one being that I was probably going to spend my life being an addict and being addicted to substances. So I did not have to be in my body and be present. And that I would probably lose most of the people in my life through this pattern. And the third one was that I could change my life. And then in that moment there, that I was in control and it just changed completely. I started in that physical moment, started showing up for groups, started speaking a little clearer, started participating in my own health and well-being. And then from that moment on through the next couple of years, I took some really deep interpersonal time to, to be with myself and be really honest with myself and learn how to get comfortable with that. We learn someone who gets comfortable with being in their body after being sober is something that is extremely difficult that not a lot of people talk about. Having to feel the feelings without distraction and knowing that everyone around you is still going to do what they're going to do, but you have to do what works for you and honor that. That was difficult, but it is the choice that I am so thankful for today that I made that brought me here, that brought me to that moment of now being this person who wants to share with people, this is how you can be in your body. You don't need to distract. You can be present and that's okay. That's what we're here to do. Life is not about distraction. It's not about numbing out. It's not about getting stuck in 
the moment, getting stuck in every day and just pushing to the weekend, pushing to Friday so you can drink to numb yourself out and drink coffee all week to energize yourself to move through the next thing and just keep moving through those patterns like I was. We all are moving through patterns and cycles and stages, but which ones are really working for you? And so that was that moment on that hero's journey where it changed from being a victim to being a hero taking ownership of my own behavior and owning my journey. I mean, that is, I got chills during that. That was so powerful how you described all that. The experiences, the raw, the vulnerability. I mean, the 100% resonate with what you're saying. I've always, I've always felt that for people who get sober like us, it's a blessing because we're forced to confront all those things. At first, it can seem like a curse, but we now no longer have the option to numb ourselves out. So we now have to look reality directly in the face every day, unlike the masses who still numb themselves with everything, with social media, with drugs, alcohol, porn, whatever you got video games, football, sports, betting, every vice. And to them, that's the normal way of, of life. Life is so toxic that the only way to survive it is to numb. When you have realized, and I have realized, the truth of it all, the only way to survive it is to confront it. Because if you don't confront it, when you lay your head down at night to go to sleep, that's when the demons come, because you can't run anymore. And how many people out there have sleeping disorders? I struggled with them back in the day. How many people have, you know, restless leg syndrome? Which is literally just from having so much excess energy from not doing, from not moving, from being in a sedentary life, that your legs just need to kick and <laughs> while you're asleep, you know? So that's, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And you really did... You nailed it all on that. I mean, yeah, the health scare, the spiritual awakening, the trauma, and almost an epiphany because that was an epiphany. Like there's two different types of epiphany. There's one through repeated trauma where you're just like, I got to do this a different way. And there's the other kind that I've told you about where it's 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 literally just like you're walking down the street and you get hit by a lightning bolt and the entire world shifts for you. Yeah. And being at such a young age too, I mean, I was 19 in that moment of just sitting there and going, no one else is going to do this for me. I'm still living at home. I still have my family support. I'm lucky that I have people in my life that care, but eventually they're going to not care. Mm. And it's, it's on me. It's on me to make these decisions and having everyone project at me. You are so young. You need to figure it out. You were so young and, uh, and being in facilities with people, being in AA, being in a healing space, even not being in a healing space and having people share that share that they fucked up on their journey. And so this is how I should do it because I have so much life and I have so much that I need to live for. And that really pissed me off. I was a very <laughs> fiery 19-year-old, and I still have that fire in me, but now it's more that lust for life, more that 
that desire to be here and be now and be in every moment as fully as I possibly can be. But in that moment of like, you need to do this because I didn't, it was like, I'm going to do it my way. Don't tell me how to do it because I'm going to do it. Just because you're still consciously choosing to not live your life fully doesn't mean I'm going to. So there was almost an out of spite. And then there was a, I have no choice. And then there was a all full body realization that this was the way, this was what I had to do to, to figure it out. And it changed everything. It makes me think of how you said that with the, you wanted to do it out of spite first. And it's like, that's really the, the, the path of, of healing. It goes from anger to sadness to laughter. And it's like, when you start on this, you're like, fuck everybody else. I'm going to do this. You know, you come into it with that. You harness that anger, that fire. First of all, I love that because your name is Blaze. So it's like, it's perfect. But it's like, you use that anger and that frustration and channel it properly. And then as you go through it, you start to confront those emotions and you start to to feel into them. And a lot of that is that as that anger fades, that sadness bubbles up. Because especially for men, anger is so much more acceptable by societal standards than tears in men. And it's almost the reverse because for I think for a lot of females, that sadness is more acceptable. Females can't be angry. No, no, no. You know, that's no. You're, you're out of control if you're angry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And then at the end of that is that laughter because that's almost that release. Once you go through it, you realize that energy that started as anger and sadness, you realize it's only energy and it's the labels that we assign to it that create these stories. And through that laughter, we're able to transmute it and just let it go. Let the bullshit go. Well, definitely. And just not taking things so seriously, just really realizing that this is this is what we have. This is this is the cards that we were dealt. But now how are we going to choose to, to play with them? How are we going to choose to live our life and be present in it? I mean, and I think you spoke very openly and truly about the concept of the men and the women of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And I remember having moments of of crying and people thinking I was sad and I was angry, but every time I've, and I'm still like this to this day, but through practicing emotional regulation, I'm a lot better about it. But for the most part, when I feel an emotion, I cry mm. and it's very intense and very powerful and pretty amazing in a lot of ways, but very confusing as a young kid that's going, I'm angry why am I crying right now? Why is someone trying to comfort me when I don't want to be touched? Mm. I don't want to be, I don't want anything to do with anyone because I'm feeling this or I'm upset or I'm embarrassed or I'm this or I'm that. And then a male perspective of being still feeling the full spectrum of emotions that females do of people who are non-identifying do, but not necessarily having the permission and then now this is where we get to redefine those rules and say, I give myself permission to be this, even though it's hard, even that no one's saying that this is an easy journey. It's like, I didn't turn my life around immediately after getting out of that behavioral health facility and magically become the person I am today. That was years of work. 
And that was when I chose not to be a victim anymore, but there were still victim mindsets that came up throughout and just continuing to eliminate those stories we were talking about and still struggling today with how to move through those things, but actively choosing to be a person who is an advocate for my own life, who is present for my own life and not handing it to someone else's hand and going, you decide what to do with this or putting it out into the universe of, I don't care. Everything bad is happening and it's happening to me. You're not doing anything for me. So I don't believe in God. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in community and just numbing out. So it's, it is that consecutive hard work of being present and rewriting those stories and choosing as individuals to come together and knowing that we all have a story, but are we letting it define us or are we letting it be just a chapter in our story? And that is such a powerful distinction that you made about it didn't happen immediately when you got out of that facility. Because I think that's, that's, I feel that can be very hard for people to conceptualize when they hear of these heroes' journeys. Because it sounds like you define four years of work for you, 10 years of work for me in a paragraph or in like a, a one minute blurb. And it's like, oh, so it sounds like it's not real. It sounds like it's unattainable because you've condensed it down there. And a lot of people, especially starting on this path, they can feel like, well, how do I get there? Like, this isn't that, that truth because I don't feel that fire to change like you did. And it's only afterwards that you can really look back and say it was like that. You can talk about the struggles because for me going through the sobriety and all that, it was, like I look at it now and I forget how challenging it was because it's been 10 years removed of 11 now, but it's like, it almost doesn't register. It's like, it comes across as like, yeah, well you just, you just do it because that's what it looks like when you're done with it. But when you're starting, it's work, but it's that good work. It's the work that's going to enlighten you. It's going to heal you. It's going to make everything about yourself and your perspective of reality that much better. I completely agree. And it's within that work. And even changing that word from work to devotion of just like being Mm. devoted to yourself of how am I going to change my life? How am I? It's like, it's, it's this most, it's the easiest example because everyone can understand it, but of going to the gym of going, you don't gain muscles after one day of picking up weights. It's repetitive, just repeatedly choosing to show up for yourself. And that's what it is at its core. It's not just showing up one day and being like, okay, I'm going to do all the shadow work, all of it. (laughs) I'm going to confront everything that I have ever been through all the trauma. It's like, that's not, you're just going to re-traumatize yourself. It's consecutively deciding to show up. And I noticed within my healing that there were things and traumas that I had blocked off that I couldn't remember because my body was protecting me. And it's really beautiful if you think about this, my body was protecting me from remembering these things because I wasn't ready yet. I hadn't healed enough. I hadn't done enough of just the baby steps, the day by day, showing up for myself, choosing to change habits and behaviors. And as I started to heal a little bit more, a little bit more week after week, month after month, year after year, more things came through and I would remember, or I would remember a piece of advice that someone gave me that was absolute gold, but I didn't do, I didn't do anything with it in the moment because I couldn't be there and be present for it. I didn't want to be, but taking that years later, going from 19 to 20 and going, Oh, wow, this person was speaking truth to me. And 
now I want to apply that in my life. So I think showing up for yourself is just, that's where it starts, whatever it is. It's not that in it, like in business, it's not that overnight success. It's not mm -hmm. that overnight healing. It's a process of being true to you and just continuing to show up. It's like one of the coaches, Rich Lifton, I think he has an article he wrote. It's called How to Become an Overnight Success in 10 Years. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because it speaks so true. It's like in a society that is so fast. We have phones. We have computers. It's instant everything. Like It's just like an instant orgasm in your face all the time that you just become so numb to the whole experience of everything being there and right there in the present moment. And then when you're not used to being in that slow, in that stillness of that earned success of that earned, I mean, if we're going back to it, that earned orgasm of just being present in it, then it just doesn't feel like anything. It doesn't matter. It's like, okay, on to the next I'm consuming, I'm consuming rather than I'm healing and I'm taking in and I'm reflecting and I'm being present for that embodiment component. Yes. Yes. And you have this wonderful, and I've taken a fraction of this, this program you're working on. It's this embodiment dance series. When did that come into your life and how did you discover this? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, funny enough, I have always been extremely uncomfortable with dance. I have always been uncomfortable being in my body and even as i've gone through this healing journey i've learned how to be present but there's still those moments of being uncomfortable of course and working through those and i i remember someone had coached me and they in our coaching program that we do dharma coaching institute and they told me to shake out my body and just let it go and release and i remember i had my arms down by my side and i just was looking at them like i don't think i can do this I don't want to let go. I, I don't want to release control. I can't. What will happen? What will I feel? I'll, I'll be embarrassed. And so moving through that and coming to a point of realizing that dance was what my soul was calling and that I wanted to move. And I've always been someone who had moved, but through having an injury that stopped me from moving as much in a way that was true to me. And so dance has now become my meditation and just become this spiritual practice that I do to connect back into myself and into spirit. And so this series really came to me through just doing the program in school of just doing the work and asking myself questions of what do I want to create? What's, what feels good? What's important? And I realized that it was what I was creating in that moment of just being comfortable with myself and learning how to use energy practices of pulling the energy around me and bringing that into my body and movement. And so Ayurveda has always been extremely interesting to me. And that's where the chakras originate from of just these 70 energy centers being in your body and me being someone that's very tapped into my own energy and being very passionate, passionate about this whole concept of it. I realized that I could create a program based on each individual one and channel and open that one up a little bit more for someone who was blocked or someone who even is open in it and let that be fully expressed of what you're moving through. 
and starting at the crown at the top of your head and moving down to the root and the ultimate goal of just showing someone how to be in their body that there is no wrong that this that this isn't a dance class it is but it's really just for someone to show up and be in their body and the only requirement is that they keep an open mind and choose to be present in the experience that they're having so it's through that it's 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 opening the channel up it's really breathing into that but it's also again just showing up for yourself and doing something even if it feels uncomfortable so that just felt it just came through i i don't really know where it came from it just kept showing up and then i just kept feeling called okay i need to do this i need to share this with other people because as we were talking about people being comfortable in their own bodies is something that so many people struggle with it's that's where that distraction comes in and if we learn how to just be in ourselves and be present then then that's where the purpose comes after that that's where we can follow our path and find our dharma of after we learned we do the work we are devoted to ourselves and we learn how to be okay then we can find that purpose of what do i want to do with my life how do I want to help people? Where do I want to go? What's important to me rather than just these mindless distractions that are distracting us from this beautiful experience of life? I mean, <laughs> inspira- <laughs> inspirational as fuck is the only way to say that. I love the that you bring in that playfulness and I like what came up is like it's not it's not a dance class it's your dance class it's each individual's dance class it's almost like a, your personal silent disco with healing so I remember the first time I saw a silent disco it was at the Bonnaroo Music Festival and it was nighttime and I just saw all these people all these dirty hippies dancing with no music in the middle of a field and I was like what is going on <laughs> I haven't even taken any drugs yet or had a drink. What the fuck am I seeing? And then I realized that they're all listening to their own unique music and they're all doing their own little dance. And there's a beauty in that. And that's self-expression and connecting people back to themselves. Because if you really can't be present in that body, I mean, the biggest reason you can't be present is just a, a dysregulated central nervous system, the fight, flight, or freeze response. And if you can't be present in that body, you're not going to be able to get clear thoughts or clear visions or clear direction on where you need to and want to go. It's impossible. Completely. Yeah. And that's why I like that, that individual experience. I mean, I imagine people, one of the practices I do is opening people up in this point of they create their own force field of just, they're creating this bubble around them of safety because we're so afraid of what people are going to think of us, what we're going to think of ourselves. Are we going to be judged? Are we going to embarrass ourselves? And so many people don't dance because of that. And they just say, I don't like to dance. What they're saying is, I don't like to be in my body. That's uncomfortable. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I truly believe that all at our core, we do like to dance. We do like to sing. That goes back to those, those roots that we all have of from our ancestors. We didn't start in a society like this. We didn't wake up with phones in our hands, our feet are meant to be planted on the earth and dance and sing and 
just that song and dance is so true to who we are. And so coming back to that force field of just letting people feel comfortable in their own space and creating that safe space of individuality, but then realizing that your aura, your bubble is bumping into the other people around you and that you are in community and you are safe, whoever it is. That person next to you may be feeling the same things you are or not. They may be super excited to be there. They may be so present and they love dancing. And I think that's where everyone can be a teacher for us and show us something. And it's just that that presence is just so key to me for being so disconnected for so long and now being someone who wants to be in that joy being at the lowest of the lows and now being at the highest of the highs and riding that, that emotional wave and finding the bliss in the moments where it's at that neutral. So sharing that with other people, that just, that feels like my highest calling, my Dharma, my soul's purpose. And that feels amazing when you feel that Dharma and that soul's calling. I, I know that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. And it, it alludes to what you were saying of everybody has wisdom to teach us. And that's why interviewing fellow coaches or just regular people, there's so much wisdom to be gained from just every human experience. But for some reason, we've convinced ourselves that only if you are rich and famous and have a ton of followers on social media, are you worthy of learning from. And that's one of the most poisonous things in the world. Because just because you can get followers on Instagram or TikTok doesn't mean you have a powerful message that the world needs to hear. It means you can make great videos that distract people. And that's, again, that's part of the problem, is that distraction, is that disconnection. And I believe that everybody, every single human on this planet has 1% of the the why are we here that spiritual question they have that knowledge in them and if we collectively come together and start learning and listening to that we're going to advance so much more than we ever have before completely that's that analogy of lighting that candle having your own and being able to pass that on to someone else just across the way across the world just slowly impacting people by being in your own bubble by being in your own space and just living who you are truly and authentically. It's just, it's beautiful. There is nothing more beautiful than that. So let's, let's move into playtime. Let's see what we can create together and what's, what's going on in your life. Are there any struggles, uh, blocks, obstacles that you'd like to discuss and I can help you with? Yeah, definitely. I love coaching. I, (laughs) in this moment, I'm noticing as I'm continuing to do my healing journey and continuing to work through my own blocks, something that's coming up for me is being reactive and also being needing to be defensive after that. And something I want to try and bring more awareness and clarity to is how to be at that neutral how to hear someone fully when they're expressing themselves and not feel the need to react and be too, to just be speaking clearly from myself and not just this wounded feminine energy. Noticing, especially specifically like in males, just talking and having these conversations and noticing 
certain parts of myself being triggered and not being able to hold the space as eloquently as I would like. So I think that's something that's coming up. Okay. So shifting from reactive to defensive to being more neutral is what you'd like to really embody and process and integrate that wounded feminine energy. Correct. Yes. Okay. And you find that it's, it's, you get specifically triggered around men? Correct. Yeah. Are there any examples you can give me of that? Moving into a personal level um, with my partner, when sometimes when he's sharing his experience of being a male, I sometimes feel the need to be defensive towards the female experience when he's just sharing where he's coming from and how the world has showed up for him and the filters of the way he sees things. And I notice myself not always being fully present for that, having a little bit of just kind of hot energy inside. Mm, some of that fire is coming back out. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed when that happens, do you have repeat patterns in terms of, does it feel like the same energy? Does it feel like the same stuckness or is it something that's different every time? It's usually the same. It's usually the same feeling the same sensations in the body and then wondering how, how I got there and where it came from. Mm, I'm feeling called to connect with the body. Would you like to do that? A little bit of that? I would love that. All right. So let's close our eyes. Bringing our awareness into the body. Connecting to our breath. Feeling the chest and belly rising and falling with each inhalation and each exhalation. Take a series of three deep inhales and three deep exhales in just a moment. We're going to breathe in through our nose and out through our mouth. Slowly breathing in through your nose. Let it out. Breathing in through the nose again, slower and deeper. Letting it out. Last time in through the nose and out. I invite you to place your hand on your heart, connecting in with that heart space. With each heartbeat you're feeling, feel the beat radiating farther and farther, deeper and deeper into your body. And as you're feeling the vibration from each heartbeat, 
going out through your body from your head, chest, hips, knees, all the way down to our feet. Begin to notice what feels safe, what areas feel hollow. Keep breathing into any discomfort you're feeling. What area or areas in your body are you feeling a lack of safety right now? Naming it in the chakras, I'm noticing that just above my root, my sacral center feels open and exposed and vulnerable. And that in my throat, there's a little bit of unsettled energy. So the feeling open, would you describe, how would you describe the openness in the sacral area? Open in a sense of vulnerability, hmm. kind of that, that lack of safety. Stay connected with that lack of safety. In your third eye, begin to imagine that sacral area. What color is coming up for you? Orange and purple. Orange and purple. Does that energy have a texture to it? It feels like water but circular. Circular water, does it feel like it's flowing freely or does it feel like it's stuck? Neither, it feels like it's making a pattern. That circular pattern, is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you hear any sounds in that area? I hear white noise. It's soft. Do you notice any smells in that area? It smells metallic. How are you receiving that metallic smell? It's a smell, but it's almost like a feeling, almost like blood. 
stay connected with that area. And now I want you to feel into that circular water pattern and draw it outside of yourself with your third eye so you can see it clearly. And allow your energy to reverse that pattern. Spin it around even faster. Even faster than you're going right now. Slow it down. I want you to flip it upside down. You notice a cord going anywhere else from this energy. It does feel like it's reaching out in multiple different directions. Are those cords connecting back to yourself or are they from an external source? Connecting to an external force, the, the energy around me. Does that energy feel like it's serving you? Mm-hmm. then allow the energy coming through those cords to fill up that water, to increase its size, to brighten it up, to intensify that orange and purple color, to make that white noise even louder. To have that metallic smell be even more pungent. Allow yourself to be fully immersed by that energy. Let it run up through your chakras, to the solar plexus, to the heart, Let it begin to flow through the throat. As it's moving through the throat, do you notice any resistance? It feels more open. Okay, good. So allow that water to keep going. Imagine that it's coming up through the throat, it's bathing the throat and that healing energy coming in through the universe, through those energetic cords that are serving you so powerfully. And once it feels like it's flowing freer, allow yourself to convey any message that you feel needs to come up in this moment.
be open is something that's coming through. It feels very simple, but very complex at the same time. I'll just be open to anything. Be open to anything? Mm-hmm. When you feel into this, this message of being open to anything, how does this tie into the neutrality you want, but back into the defensiveness and the reactiveness? Being open is coming from that place of being neutral, but also coming from a place of love and willingness and wanting to understand rather than any defensive or reactive nature, wanting to see someone at their core, even removing the gender out of it and just a human experiencing another human. It's beautiful, human experience in another human. The last thing while we're feeling into this space, inside of your own body, what is your relationship with your masculine essence and energy? That feels like a relationship that I'm always trying to balance. It feels like it's in overdrive and lack at the same time. Almost like I grew up trying to compete with this energy and almost be this energy, be this over-masculine being that wasn't really who I was. And now being in a space where I've dropped that expectation, but it's something that still shows up as a shadow side of myself of trying to be something I'm not. And I think there is frustration and anger attached to that. It feels mm. like there's not the most healthy of relationships with that part of myself. Mm. Oftentimes, the masculine and feminine essence of each of us has a lot to do with our original masculine and feminine guides being our parents, people who brought us here on this earth. Mm. In this space right now, without judgment, only serving your highest self. Is there any anger you're holding on to with your father? No. I think it's more that I almost don't even want to say it, but it's, it's males as a whole. It's that anger towards that, that toxic part of the masculine. I have a lot of very loving males in my life, but it's almost that projection of putting them on of someone that they're not, someone that I've experienced in the past. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I think just being around people who have their own wounds, their own wounded feminine and their own wounded masculine. 
and putting that out there of with judgment for things for me of the women experience in general of anger of someone trying to prove themselves and i feel that's where that reactive and defensive nature comes up anger oftentimes is there as a protector role also almost that that masculine role that that warrior archetype staying connected with that right now your own inner your own inner amazonian warrior priestess that's inside of you Ask her how she can lay down her shield. I feel it's remembering who the people are in my life and what they, what their experiences and knowing that their expression is valid and their feelings are valid and the experience and the reasons behind me wanting to be a certain way in that warrior energy is also valid, but no longer needed. It's not serving me and it's not serving them. And being a warrior isn't always about fighting. So being able to come from that role of listening and being open and nurturing When you're ready, you can open your eyes, blink your eyes back open. How do you feel in your body right now? Warm, relaxed, just calm. Beautiful. Beautiful. So we we just did some energetic work, some healing healing the mother wounds, father wounds, tapping into that. And that's that emotional component of that. Now I'd like to talk more to the, the logical side of that because we have that, that balance in there. So when... So going back to your embodiment and your, your wonderful body awareness that you're bringing into the world and that you yourself are experiencing, when you do that, you're gaining a deeper understanding of proprioception and interoception and exteroception. And that's being able to feel essentially your inner and outer world, right? Where your body is in space, but also what the, what's happening on the inside. And that gives you a deeper sense of self. So when you're in these experiences, what can you look for as a, as a warning? Or as a, not as a warning, but as a, I guess as a warning, that's the only way to describe it, as something you can say like, hey, I'm being triggered right now, internally. What's something you can be on the lookout for? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's that, that sensation in my body, that heat. Because when that shows up, that, that is not me at my core. 
I, it's almost as if I've stepped outside of myself and now I'm showing up and responding as a past version of myself, of someone who, who isn't healed. And that's where the projections arise. So I think when that, that heat shows up, that is a full body reminder that I'm stepping outside of myself and can be that invitation to step back in. Because mm. that made me think too of when you were in the uh, the treatment or the, the hospital, you said after you got off the phone with your mother, you felt that instant heat. Mm -hmm. So that's that universal trigger. So now when you begin to become aware of that, because awareness is the first step on this, what's the next step you can take to create some space between that feeling and then reacting, getting defensive afterwards? I think to put it simply, just taking a deep breath, tuning into that body and deciding that there is, there is no need to speak. There is no need to change facial expressions. There is no need to be anything that I'm not just being able to breathe and hear openly. And when you feel that way and when you sense that, just creating that space and connecting back into the body further, that breath is going to help you down-regulate that nervous system response. Completely, yeah. And then from there, you're able to shift into that neutrality. Yes. Because to stay in that state of neutrality, that's, that's the ultimate goal that we want to cultivate, is that inner neutrality of all the times. But until we get to that, it's that practice. It's like you said earlier, going to the gym, showing up, doing the reps. So it's going to be connecting back in more and more with that masculine and feminine essence you have inside to make sure your, your inner child is being parented properly, making sure you have those wounds that are getting healed. Because there's different, through times in our life, different wounds are going to pop up. So being aware of that, prioritizing that inner work, but then also having those physical steps and that physiological reminder of what you're looking for. All right, so how do you feel now that we we went inside, we were in the internal work and we did a little bit of external work on the defensiveness and the reactivity towards men? I feel a lot more open. I liked the energy side of it and I liked the logical side of it, being able to have those, like we were talking about the baby steps of putting in the devotion towards being a better person and showing up more truly as yourself and actually being present. It's like, if that is my true goal, then those are the steps I can take to be there, to be more open for my partner, other men in my life, and just continue to hear people openly for their perspective. So I feel centered and like I have an action plan. I love it. I love it. Is there anything else I can help you with? No, I don't believe so. I feel complete. Mm. Thank you. Such a great word, complete. Yeah. Well, well Blaze, I want to truly thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. I had a blast recording this. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah. I'm. Well, thank you first so much for having me. It's a blessing to be here and I guess speaking of blessings, Blessings with Blaze is my Instagram and my YouTube channel. 
And then you can always reach out to my email, which is just blazebrumbaugh at gmail.com. Uh, how do you spell uh, Brumbaugh? B-R-U-M-B-A-U-G-H. German. Oh, okay. German. All right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't already saved in the computer, I would have no idea how to spell that. So for the rest of the people out there. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you so much, Blades. Yes. Thanks, Matt. Have a beautiful rest of your day. You too. Thank you so, so much for checking out this podcast. I have a blast every time I hit record on these things. Wherever you found me, please give me a five-star review. Give me a seven-star review if that's a thing. I don't even know. And if you know someone who would find value from anything I said today, please share it with them. Screenshot this and post it on IG in your stories and make sure to tag me with it. You can follow me at underscore I'm Matt Stewart. That's underscore I-M-M-A-T-T-S-T-E-W-A-R-T on the I-G-Z. <laughs> Peace.